What you are listening to at the beginning of the sermon is difficult to understand, but important. Prior to the service, I had set up a rotary phone in the office next to the stage. Unbeknownst to the audience, as I am walking to the front to begin the sermon, I have placed a phone call to the church building from my cell phone. I then answer the phone call, and then a conversation ensues between me and a young member of our congregation, where he is trying to figure out how to place a phone call from a rotary phone. for nostalgia, you'll get this, uh, this idea. We fondly remember the old days, don't we? The old days were so awesome. I had this app that mimics an old rotary phone for about 10 minutes. And I realized exactly why we don't have those. Like, that's annoying, right? Uh, someone was telling me they have an app. They have an app for everything. I really do. That you can take your music playlist and it sounds like vinyl. You know the old vinyl? (laughs) And you play it and it's kind of neat for one song. And then you realize why we have digital music. Because it sounds so much better, right? And so with all this nostalgia, and I know you're wondering what in the world we're we're talking about. I want to turn to Haggai, chapter 2. I'm going to talk a little about the good old days. Haggai chapter 2. Don't turn your pages too fast because you'll miss it. (laughs) 
Beginning in verse 1, he says, The seventh month on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Isn't not your eyes as nothing? And yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word I, I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not be afraid. Thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, in a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they will come they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month, the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, this is what the Lord of hosts says. Ask the priests concerning the law. If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge of it he touches bread or stew or wine or oil or food, will that become holy? The priest said, no. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? The priest said, yes, it shall be unclean. So Haggai answered and said, so is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hand, and what they offer there is unclean. Nothing you'll find, nothing ever lives up to your memory. Like an old phone. Like any old nostalgia thing. Nothing ever quite lives up to your memory. You go back to places you were as a kid, and you're like, that was the greatest place. And you're like, I like that place? I thought that was neat. Right? Things that impressed you as a kid, they just disappoint you. I have a, I forgot to bring, actually my son was playing it. Had this old video game, this old football game. And it was just this little, I mean before there was, you know, even Nintendo. This little old football game, video game. And I, thought, I saw it. At a, at a Goodwill or whatever, and I bought it. Oh, here we go, here we go. See, this is what my kids do during church. <laughs> remember this? Who remembers this? Awesome. And you go. And you try to play it, and you're like, you got 30 seconds out of that. And you're like, why well, just pay three bucks at a Goodwill for that? That's a waste of a good three bucks, right? Because it's just, oh, the nostalgia. As you can guess, I am a sucker for nostalgia. Right? I walk into a place and there's something nostalgic. I'm, and it disappoints. It always disappoints. And we have these people coming back. And, and they're going to look at this temple. And, and here comes the temple. And, and it's so exciting. And, the temple. Because nothing can ever ever reach their imagination. We've talked about this a number of times, how they came back. Well, if we do the math, we find out that they left as little kids. 
Their memory of the temple was nothing that they could ever make was ever going to be that original temple because they remembered it so much greater and so much shiny and so much better than it probably ever really was. It, it was their nostalgic memory as they were in Babylon. Oh, this great thing. Well, it was, it was never going to be. No matter what Zerubbabel built, it was never going to be Solomon's temple. Because things always get better. Really, truly, things always do get better. And God is trying to drive this. I'm going to do something better. And they had their minds set. Oh, no, it could never be what it was. God says, I'm going to do it better. People who buy cars buy them in different categories. So among us, there are people who buy cars in different categories. So, So you might not track with this. Um, but now if you buy a used car, you, someone says, oh, it's got 120,000 miles. Some of you might never have ever bought a car that had 120,000 miles on it. That's all right. But now someone says there's 120,000 miles. If, if you're in the market for a used car, you don't even bat an eyelash, right? It's young, right? I bought, uh, my senior year in, in high school, I bought a, that was 1989. So I bought a 1984 Country Squire. You know, who knows what that is? Yeah, my first car. 1984 Country Squire. That was a boat. Yes, wood grain paneling. And on the left back quarter panel, it was missing the wood grain panel. I bought that for $400. It took you about an hour and a half to get up to the speed limit. And it took you another hour and a half to get down because that thing was so heavy. I had about 70,000 miles on it when I bought it for $400. About a year later, I pulled up to a red light. It died and it never rose again. (laughs) What happened in the last 30 years? That thing was young by modern standards. But things get better. You can't imagine a time where there's 100,000 miles. That, that was unheard of. You babied a car to get it that far. Things get better. They always get better. Things always improve. God says, things are going to improve. I promise you this temple, this temple is going to be better. There's something better coming. Now, listen. We read the stories, and, and that can't possibly true, be true. It can't possibly be true because, because this temple wasn't shiny and gold, and, and, and we know a, a couple hundred years later, I mean, we can just follow the history of what we know about the temple. Zerubbabel's temple was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't Solomon's temple. About 200 years later, guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes came in and he stole everything. Ark of the Covenant, never heard from again. All the gold, all the silver, gone. You hear about the Maccabees? Well, this is that period where the, where the Jews were trying to fight against the Greeks and thinking, we're going to beat the Greeks. Of course, they didn't. The Romans beat the Greeks. So the Romans came in. And numerous times throughout this period, the, 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 whatever, whoever was ruling would come in and sacrifice pig's blood on the altar and kill some people in, in the temple. And, and, it, and it just this decline over time 
Herod built the temple. He restored it. It was a little bit better. Still not Solomon's. And then in 70 AD, God wiped it off the face of the earth. Gone temple, and it's never existed since. There's a Muslim mosque that sits where the temple used to sit. So how can God go, oh, I'm going to fill this place with my glory. And it's going to be better than anything you ever saw. Wait a minute, that's not true. Oh, yes, it is. There's a key phrase in here. I know some of you got up this week. There was a day this week where you got up and you said, finally, Matthew. did you see that day he said we're done with the Old Testament oh it's so wonderful I don't have those crazy visions okay mostly yeah but wait till Matthew 24 and 25 we'll we'll get back there (laughs) and then and then uh, John John nostalgic old John will do a best of album called the book of Revelation (laughs) greatest hits from the Old Testament So there's a little bit more. But you woke up and you said, oh, so great. No more of this prophecy stuff. Well, I said, it's coming. There's a couple of things in the scriptures that, that make some of this prophecy stuff a little bit uh, more understandable. Some of the symbols and things. And there's phrases like uh, the sun and moon and the stars are going to be darkened. And what does that mean? And, and, and it has nothing to do with the actual sun and the moon. It's not talking about eclipses or anything like that. It's talking about those were symbols of, of people or, or sometimes it says how they, they would fall to the earth. You know, there was references to political rulers, like a sun might be a reference for a, for a king or somebody who is going to be assassinated or uh, this is the symbolic language. And it, it talks about earthquakes and earthquakes were always this prediction of a major upheaval in, in society or political landscape. And he says that in, here in Haggai. He says, once more, in a little while, not right now, but in a little while, I'm going to shake everything again. Remember what they have just gone through. They've just gone through this completely uh, upheaval of, of the last thousand years of their life or more, where they had this Jewish homeland from Egypt and, and it's all been taken away from him. It's just this upheaval. And God says, a little bit more, just a little bit more, and I'm going to shake things up once more. You know, just shake it up. I'm going to shake it up. And I'm going to make everything change. We've, we've gone through shake-ups in the world. You can, there's people that, that in this room that don't know life before 9-11. Those of us who remember remember a completely different world. I ran the border accidentally in in Canada, and uh, so that took a few hours. Uh, this is a confusing border crossing uh, when you go across uh, up by Detroit, and uh, so I go in after sorting that out. That was okay. My story checked out, so he didn't think I was running drugs or anything. And uh, so I go in to to process everything, and he goes, "Okay, um, passport. I got driver's license." He's like, "You need a passport. You do know this is a foreign country." I'm like, 
I've gotten into Canada before with a driver's license. He goes, did you ever hear of anything called 9-11? Sort Right? It was a major change. You remember, you used to go up right to the gate and wait for people to get off at the, at the airport? Remember that? Remember taking food onto the airplane and sodas onto the airplane? Right? You used to just be able to do that. Like, what? what in the world? It's a different world. Everything is different. Everything, it was a major change after 9-11. I was born nine years after the, the assassination of JFK. So I, I grew up in a post-JFK world, right? But people here will remember that as a major upheaval. And second, I mean, life before then, everything was calm and quiet and just a nice neighborly and, and all the you know, picture book scenario of life. And, and then JFK got assassinated and the world became a dangerous place. And we were so suspicious of everything because there's these major upheavals. And God says, I'm going to shake the earth. And everything you thought of is going to change. I've got bigger things in store. I've got bigger things than this golden temple. And so, he was going to do something dramatic that would affect. But who would it affect He says it was going to affect all nations. I will shake the nations and they will come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory. It was going to be something that affected the whole world, not just, not just the Jewish people. He was going to replace the concept. Or he's going to keep the concept of the temple, but he's going to replace it. It was never, it was never a building. And we've said that so many times. And he says, I'm going to fill it with my glory. Now, glory is an interesting word because it means a lot of things. Sometimes the word glory refers to the existence of something or its nature, its composition. Right? Uh, sometimes it refers to the appearance of something. A glorious, it looks glorious. Sometimes it refers to the reputation of something. And so it's kind of this difficult word to figure out. But when God was done with remaking this temple thing, whatever it was that he was referring to, because as we said, it wasn't the building he was going to do. Over time, it was going to get worse and worse and worse. But something was going to get better and better and better. There was going to be this major change. And God was going to bring this glory. It was going to have some great substance. It was going to have some great reputation. It was going to have some great effect in the world that drew people to it. And I think we can figure out that he was talking about the church. God's people was always what he wanted. It was never, and he started out from the very time it was being planned. He said to David, I never asked for this. I never asked for this. Build it if you want it. I never, just keep in mind, I've never cared. I've never lived in a box. I've never lived between angels' wings. I've never lived in a room with goat curtains. I've never lived in any of that. He's always wanted to be with his people. And he says, I'm going to shake the earth because you guys are, you're focused on this thing. 
And I'm going to shake it and I'm going to take it away. Then I will replace it with something that's so far greater. And it will be something that the, the world sees and wants to become a part of. And it will affect wherever it goes. And so we come to our point. Kind of this oddball question that he asks these, these priests. So, priest? Yes. If you have a piece of holy meat, they, they sacrifice a piece of meat on the altar, and that's holy meat, okay? And you put that in your pocket. Okay, so you got this holy meat in your pocket over here, and you go and touch something over here. There's a, there's, you touch this, uh, touch this, this is an ordinary table, but anyway, if I take my coat over here and I touch it, does that become a holy table? No? Okay. And he's trying to teach them something. You don't get to rub off good. Now, listen, now let me flip the equation around here. He says, now, on the other hand, if I'm unholy and I touch something, what happens to that? Well, that becomes unholy. See, it works one way, but not the other. Isn't that funny? Unholiness can rub off on you, but holiness doesn't. It's kind of a weird thing, the way that works. If there's something dirty, and you touch something, touch, everybody understands, you don't want to touch that. But if, if you touch something with something clean, something dirty with, with something clean, it doesn't, people go, oh yeah, I want that now. It doesn't work that way, right? Contamination only works one way. You can't, you can't uncontaminate by touching something. And this is what he's trying to teach them. This, this whole thing is going to get shaken up and it's going to be different. However, however, I need you to understand something, the way this works. He says, because you people are like this. You guys kind of think that you can be unholy, but, but do this holiness thing over here and it makes everything over here okay. And that's not the way it works. See, in this new temple, we do have to understand that there's a similar concept even to the Old Testament. It works a little differently. But there are no second degree Christians. There's, there's, no, there's no holiness by proxy. There's nothing that I can substitute for it. I can't become holy by coming to a church service. That's not how it works. I don't get holiness by coming in the door. That's Old Testament. Came in the door. Woo, we're in the temple. Wonderful. In the gold. And, ah, nope. Doesn't happen. Can't have a holy thing over here and, and touch my life over here and I walk out and do this. The other way it works, I can be unholy out there, and I can come in here, and, it, and that unholiness out there undoes everything I do in here. It works the other way around, but it doesn't work the way I'd like it to. Doing good things, have a lot of activities going on, and we're 
planning for VBS, and we're doing all these awesome things. Those are good things. All the participation and the good deeds and the, and the uh, family promise and all the things that we do, those are so important. But they will not replace. I, I can't have that over here and touch something over here and think, that made up for this. It doesn't work that way. I can't have parents who are Christian and think that that's going to be replacing my life. God has no grandchildren. Only children. I can't come to church with a husband or a wife who's a Christian and think that it, it, it gets me anything. I, I don't get to touch this this. I've got to have my own relationship. And it's got to be my own. The past will not lower the expectations for today. We can look with nostalgia at the past. How great things were and how, how God doesn't care about the past. That's great. It's great that we did great things or, or whatever it might be. But the past is not going to touch the future. Uh, that's why we take communion every week. Because it's a relationship. It's a continual thing that's got to be maintained. There are so many applications to this concept. But I think we've made enough that we can apply it to our own selves. The only way the only way to be in God's holy temple is to enter it yourself. Not this building. The only way to be in that relationship with God and be a part of that glorious thing that He made is to get there yourself through Christ. We're going to close in some and I encourage you to think about where you are this morning with Christ. Maybe you're living in nostalgia. I like nostalgia. Maybe we need to realize that the nostalgic things really aren't so great as we thought they were. That there's something greater that God wants to do with me than what he's ever done with me. Maybe I'm trying to live by proxy a little good over here, making up for something over here. Am I living through somebody else? I don't know what your situation is. But God says, I've got something so far greater. If you can just, if you can just let go of, of that nostalgic idea that you have, that, that other idea that you have over here, I've got something so far greater for you. We're going to stand and sing.